Stargate Rewatch Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 16, Enigma. The Tolan are here, guys. We made it. The Tolan have arrived. I love the Tolan. They're like one of my favorite aliens. I love them so much. I'm glad we're here. I forgot this was that episode, so when I saw them, I was like, yay! Yay! Uh, The Tolan are here. Yay. Also, uh, get your Vancouver Actors Bingo cards ready. We got a couple squares to cross off this week. Have that prepared and handy if you need to. Oh, have you started it? Have you have you restarted it? It, it mentally, I have. No. <laughs> mental bingo. Mental bingo. Yes, it's mental bingo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, Enigma originally aired on January 30th, 1998. It was written by Catherine Powers and directed by William Garrity. In this episode, the SG-1 team rescues a group of advanced humans from a planet near destruction and must find a new home for the refugees before the Pentagon gets their hands on them. Are these the same writers for this episode as the Knox episode? Um, did Catherine write the Knox? Let me see if I can find it out. Because, yeah, the, the interesting thing is how many returning... Uh, guest stars there are. Uh, no, this was not written by her. She's the one who wrote. Do, 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 do. Yeah, she wrote Emancipation. So. Oh. Yes. And uh, William Garrity did direct Broke a Divide, so that there's a link there. Um, oh, well, that would that does make sense. A little bit. Yeah, so these people have both been in, so Catherine and William have both been involved in season one quite a bit up to this point. So this episode opens on an alien planet as we hear like the gate being dialed in and there's like a volcano in the background that is very actively erupting because there's like ash falling from the sky and lava everywhere. And then SG-1 come through, and apparently this eruption was very recent because that wasn't happening when they sent the MALP through. So how much time do you think passes between, like, when they send the MALP and when the team actually, like, goes? Because at this point, there's, like, several inches of ash on the ground. So this has been going on for a while, unless the volcano erupted immediately after we stopped, you know, the MALP transmission or something. Well, I'm trying to think in my head when they send a map over what is all the calculations that it would be taking. Just, I mean, visual, but then also like environmental tests. Yeah. Right? And calculations and... Yeah, like, you know, just generic sort of air quality stuff. Like, is, is the atmosphere actually breathable to humans kind of thing? And, I mean, there's probably some sort of protocol of leaving it there for a short amount of time to see if they pick up on any life there already. Like, if the population that lives there goes over and, like, steals it or destroys it or does something weird with it, they're probably like, "Mm, nope. (laughs) Well, that didn't happen in the Broca Divide, where they decided not to go because the MALP got destroyed. They went kind of specifically because the MALP got destroyed almost in that episode. Well, you know, maybe that was a memo then that we missed. <laughs> maybe. I think that was before we started doing memos. So maybe. <laughs> that, that was the memo of perhaps if the MALP gets destroyed, or perhaps we should oh. wait a minute. Yeah. 
Anyway, so apparently a significant amount of time seems to have passed, though, between when the MALP was sent and when SG-1 shows up. Um, so Jack orders Di- Daniel to dial the gate back home because they're not going to stay there, obviously. So he starts to head to the DHD when he's like sees something a little ways away. And he goes to check it out. And there's a woman laying on the ground and she still has a pulse. And there's more people around. So they all start sort of going around and like checking to see who might still be alive and who they can save. And Daniel notices they're all wearing some kind of devices on their like arms. And then he likens the situation to Pompeii in that most of the people there died of suffocation before the lava got to them, which kind of, but not really also at the same time. Um, But it is very reminiscent of Pompeii for sure. Um, And then we get this shot of one of the locals like looking up at Sam from where he's laying on the ground and she's like backlit by this light and there's ash falling and it's like, you know, the most beautiful shot of Samantha Carter ever. And she like looks like an angel. And then she doesn't see this because she's like looking at somebody else. But then she leans down to check that guy's pulse and he grabs her wrist, her hand, arm and is and, and gasps up, don't help us. And then Sam's like, what? Very shocked by this. And then we cut to the opening credits. So what do they do? They help. Well, okay. So here's the question. Do you think he was trying to say, don't help us or saying, did he start saying don't something else and then change his mind to help us? Um, well, I mean, what could he possibly have said that starts with don't? I don't, I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question. Uh, he would say, don't breathe the air, don't... Don't rain on my parade. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you have some gum, because you're really close. No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, so you think he was saying, don't help us. I do, I don't. I don't don't think that there's anything else. (laughs) That he would have said. (laughs) Okay. Well, because we are humans from Earth, we help them because that's what we do. And we're sort of back at the SGC and we we see uh, the people sort of being helped through the gate. Some of them seem to be walking kind of okay-ish. Some are being brought through on stretchers and Hammond's like, what happened? And so they tell him about the volcano, which... did Hammond just send all those people through without knowing what happened? Like, why did Hammond ha- have to ask what happened after they already were back? Like, wouldn't you think he'd ask that before he even, like, sent people through to, like, a medical team and stuff? I don't know. It just seemed a slightly weird question for Hammond to ask because he seems to have no idea, like, what was going on on that planet. Yeah, that seemed pretty strange. I didn't really think about that before. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Where did all these people come from? Yeah, if if uh well, I mean, yeah, I really I wonder what what the like, initial initial contact would have been if they just would have been like incoming and just started bringing all these people. Yeah. But I mean, they have stretchers and stuff, so they had to like send the medical team through first, I would think, to get them help to get all those people back. Maybe they're just like, "We need help, sir." And he's like, "Okay." Because he's Hammond and he kind of usually does that. Or maybe he just said, um, you know, we, we need help send medical team. We have refugees. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there was that other episode where that we just watched that um, 
Jack comes through the gate and was like, we need, assemble an army. We need an army. And Hammond's just like, sure, go, go do it. And then he's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. So um, maybe it was one of those. Yeah. We need medical team. Yeah, sure. Okay. Why? <laughs> but anyway, so they do finally tell him about the volcano and that they rescued everybody that they could, but most of the people around the gate were already dead. And so Hammond then orders SG-1 to go get checked out in the infirmary as well, since they're all sort of having trouble breathing, because obviously the atmosphere at that point is quite toxic on that planet. And then once they're all fine, then they'll debrief. So in the debriefing, we learned that SG-1 were able to rescue 10 people, and that so far they appear to be like perfectly human. Also, there were no buildings in the immediate vicinity of the gate, so who knows how far these people had to walk to get there. And Hammond also asks about the devices that they were all wearing, and all Sam can tell is that they emit a low level of radiation indicating a power source of some kind, but there don't seem to be any like gears or circuitry or moving parts, so they have no idea what that thing is. And Daniel then says that he thought at first they might be on a similar level, like technologically to Earth, but now it seems like they might be more advanced than us. And Hammond's like, well, if all humans came from Earth, how could they be more advanced than us? Answer, the Dark Ages, a period of over 800 years when science was heresy. And so if these people didn't have the Dark Ages, then yes, they could very well be more advanced than us. So I think this is interesting where the Nox, it's sort of unclear if the Nox are like technological or like magical somehow, but we're finally getting like at least another race that is more advanced than us when it's usually the other way around. And this is still another episode, like I said before, when we, when we met the Nox, where like whenever we meet a race that's less technologically mm-hmm. advanced, you know, we always yeah. help, but whenever we meet somebody that's more, they're always like, oh, you children, no, yes. we can't, we can't help you. Yes. That's always the way it is, yeah. every time. So this debriefing is interrupted by a, a generic airwoman who says that the representative of the rescued people is awake and would like to talk to everyone, like not just Hammond, so apparently everyone. And on our way down to the infirmary, we also hear a PA announcement requesting all off-duty medical personnel to report to the infirmary stat. Why is that announcement just coming now? That should have been made, like, when everybody was coming back through the gate, like, an hour ago. (laughs) But So uh, the apparent leader of the aliens pulls off his oxygen masks and asks uh, who they are. And did you recognize this actor? I don't know what his name is, but ever since... I watched the first Saw movie. I cannot see him as anything else. <laughs> well, his name is Tobin Bell. Okay. And yes. So yeah, this is Tobin Bell from like Saw and Jigsaw and like 800 other movies. He's been in like so yeah. much stuff. But um, I can't. I can't. And, and especially his character in this is pretty surly as well. So yes. you <laughs> so He, he you definitely can't. usually plays the very sort of serious, like yeah. has no sense of humor kind mm-hmm. of guy so uh he is not a square on vancouver actors bingo though because he's not a canadian actor so just fyi this is not a square on vancouver doesn't actors count bingo. Doesn't not a count. free space so the interesting thing is that he seems to be very upset about being rescued like he's pissed that he's not still on his home planet and probably dead um but 
he insists that like rescue transport was on the way, but, and we're like, well, everybody there was pretty much close to dead. So surely being alive is a better option. He doesn't really seem to think so. And he finds it uh, impossible to believe that a culture as primitive as ours could have deciphered the gate technology. And Jack is very offended by that comment. And Tilk adds he's also from a very different world, but here life is very highly valued, probably to sort of help explain why we rescued them. And this guy says, quite a statement for a Jaffa. Mm-hmm. So Hammond then finally asks who he is and what he knows about the Gould and the Jaffa. So his name is Omak, and his planet is called Tolan. They are aware of the Gould and the Jaffa, but have no interaction with them. And Hammond's like, great, come an enemy. That's fantastic. And Omak is like, did I mention an enemy? Hmm. So that's interesting. But fun fact, did you know Tolan is a real place? Or was a real place? I did not. Oh, you don't say. Yes. So it's probably. Tell me more. (laughs) So it was probably actually pronounced Tolan. And it's a name used for two formal capital cities of pre-Columbian Mesoamerica, uh, those being Teotihuacan and Tula, both in Mexico. And the name Tolan means among the reeds in the Nahuatl language. Uh, The figurative meaning uh, seems to be like a densely populated area where people are as thick as reeds, like as in packed tight and living very closely together. And Tolan was also, though, sometimes used as an epithet to refer to any large metropolis or capital cities. Uh, Cholula was sometimes called Tolan Cholula. And the Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan was also given the title of Tolan. So there you go. That's Tolan. So I've been finding it interesting, like, doing, you know, the research for this kind of thing that, like, places on alien planets seem to have... Uh, like references back to Earth, but not so much like names of like races or like people or anything, which I mean makes sense in a way. But I'm like, because I tried to like look up other stuff, you know, in this episode and it just gets like nothing. So, but places do. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so back to the whole like, you know, the Gould are enemies thing. And we're like, okay, well, you know, maybe we could like be friends at least, you know, we did rescue you kind of thing. And Omak demands that all of their property be returned so that they can go home. And Daniel's like, well, that's probably going to be a while because the there's still a super active volcano on your planet and that's not going to die down anytime soon. But in the meantime, can I know more about your history and culture? Cause I love, I like, I love that kind of stuff. Like tell me everything. And Omak's like, mm, no, Mm-mm. I've already said too much, so he's done talking. So SG-1 leaves, and then we see the guy who, uh, like, looked up at Sam earlier, like, look up, look up at her again when they pass, and Sam kind of, like, locks eyes with him, and they kind of, like, stare at each other for a moment, and, uh, but then Small in the hall... Sort of way. A little bit. There's a little something, a fridge in there. But then out in the hall, Hammond orders Sam to keep an eye on the situation on Talon so that he can send them all back home, like, ASAP. Because Hammond's Hammond's over these people already. It's been like five minutes and he's like, okay, let's just deal deal with them. Let's get them out of here. And we're done with you. And we're done. (laughs) So sometime later, 
Daniel goes and finds Sam in the gate room while she's playing with a UAV and adding heat sensors to help monitor the situation on Tolan. Do you know what UAV stands for? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, Universal um, Automated Velvet. (laughs) Um, Good guess, but no. Okay, wait, wait. I got one more. Okay. Um, unaltered alterations. <laughs> uh, no, I got nothing. <laughs> all great guesses. V? All great guesses, but... It's stuck on the V. Uh, so UAV stands for Unmanned Airborne Vehicle. Oh my God, that's my other guess. Uh, it's it's a device that can also be modified into a UCAV or unmanned combat airborne vehicle. United uh, Cultural Association of Velour. <laughs> <laughs> are you what's what's with the velvet and velour? Like, do are you? I can't, <laughs> I can't think of any other V words for some for some reason. I'm totally stuck on the V. Okay. Um, well, Vegetation. You, Vegetation, vegetables, vestments. Vestibule? Uh, vestibule. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, UAVs are used for a variety of purposes, including surveying large areas of land. They can paint targets with lasers for later targeting by other like combat vehicles, or they can drop supplies when teams can't reach the gate easily and are like, Stuck somewhere. So, yay UAVs. So, yay United Coalition of Automobile Vehicles. But vendors? Vendors? Vendors. Vendors. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently Daniel has come to tell her that one of the Tolan has been asking questions about it. She's like, I thought they didn't care about us. They don't. He, he's been asking questions about you. Specifically, you, Sam. I love how he says it, too, his tone of voice. I did not say everyone. I said you. you. And then, but, like, Sam still doesn't get what Daniel's trying to say, like, Mm -hmm. at all. So Sam's like, okay. I'm just, like, nonchalant. like, okay, I'll go talk to this guy. So apparently Hammond thought that perhaps Sam might be able to get some more information out of this guy since he's, like, been asking questions about her. So maybe he'll talk to her about other stuff. And so uh, back to the infirmary they go. So the guy introduces himself as Nareem. And it's Garwin Sanford! Box number one one on our Vancouver Actors Actors bingo card for tonight. He's definitely one of those actors when you see it, you're like, oh my god, you're that guy from that thing! Yes. Where else have I seen you? Yes. Uh, Basically, if it films in Vancouver, he's been in it. Like, his IMDb page is, like, huge. So he's fantastic. I love I love Nareem so much. Just sidebar. I think he's fantastic. And oh, do yeah. you have a favorite? A favorite what? A favorite thing he's been in. Well, no, just as Nareem. Like I oh, love as Nareem. Nareem is the character. I love Nareem. Okay. Oh, so. I thought you were talking about the actor. No, the character Nareem. Okay. I think he's great. I love him. Right. And so uh, Sam's like, okay, you can call me Samantha because he's she's he was like, is it is it Sam? Is it Doctor Carter? Like what what did I call you? And so Hammond then says something that seems to be quite surprising. And he's going to allow Sam to take Nareem up to the surface to have a look around. I and was Sam- so surprised by that, too. Like, yes, 
interesting protocol breach. Yes. Yeah, but Hammond's like, there'll be guards with you, so, like, you have to stay with her, and there are guards, but you go go ahead. Uh, so, off they go to the surface, and so we do see them being, like, being followed by guards that are a little, you know, way back just to make sure things are fine. And Nareem expresses his gratitude for having been saved, and that the other Tolan really are too, and he asks Sam to pass on his thanks to the others, and she's like, oh, you can tell them yourself! And Nareem's like, well, I'm, like, I'm not really supposed to be talking to you, let alone, like, anybody else. Why? Okay, why? That's interesting. And, like, Sam's like, why? That's weird. And he doesn't really answer, though. He just kind of pauses and then says that when he thought he was dying back on Tolan, he looked up and saw her and was reminded of an old superstition from a time before reason and science when my ancestors believed in all manner of nonsense. So apparently the superstition is that at the time of death, the Shermao would appear and take you to her dwelling in the stars. And Sam's like, oh, you mean angels. Yeah, we have that same kind of thing here on Earth. And yes, some people still believe in them. And so and on Tolan, apparently the Shermao were reported to be quite beautiful. And well, when Nareem saw Samantha... But also, but also then, like Daniel said, like, she's a brilliant scientist, and Nareem has so many questions, and Sam's like, okay, cool, like, sure, ask away, I'll answer whatever I can, when suddenly a bird, like, squawks overhead, and we look up and see an eagle flying overhead, and, okay, fun fact, here's another fun fact, so that, like, the typical sound effect of eagles that's, like, used in every movie and TV show ever is not the sound an eagle makes. That's really? Actually, yes, it's actually the sound of a red-tailed hawk. Eagles oh. really make more of like a, a, a sort of high-pitched chirping noise, almost. Oh. So, uh, this fact has been brought to you by the podcast No Such Thing as a Fish, which was one of their facts from like their, their most recent episode, which is, like, I listened to the podcast, and then I watched this episode, and I was like, wait a minute! <laughs> well, maybe they can help us find... The sound effect for the gold gold larvae larva. Uh, that is still unnamed. It is still it is still unknown. Sound effect. Yes. Maybe I'll tweet it. Maybe one of our maybe one somebody one of the four people that follows our tw- our Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Probably not, but again, her to ask. You never know. You never know. So, um, Nareem though is like completely entranced by the eagle. Apparently there haven't been flying animals or possibly any animals based on a scene later on Tolan for many generations. And Sam offers to like bring him some pictures and stuff. And he agrees, but mentions that Omak probably shouldn't know about it. And again, Sam asks why. And he first explains that Omak is only trying to like protect us and them. Sam's like, well, from what? And the room's like, uh, maybe we should just go back inside. So, you know what I keep thinking though, having the knowledge of like rewatching this and knowing ultimately like the reason why they're so protective. I'm like, it's it's so overly dramatic that it by is. the time they have their conversation, it's like you could just said that. Yeah, it's like okay, just say just say that. That's fine. You could have just been like, oh, because we shared our technology before, and that's how our planet got fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, Rachel. <laughs> no. But, Rewatch podcasts. Yeah. I know. I look it up on the, I, I read it on the chat. 
the uh, <laughs> the chat script every day. <laughs> I know. Everybody but, knows. Yeah. Yeah. It it is weird that like the explanation is so simple. I it logical. It's a very logical reason that they have for not when each day our information in, te- in technology. Like yeah, just 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 because say that. Whenever we share it, people misuse it. Huh? Done. And it screws us. Done. Anyway. And even if they come back with like, but no, we'll be fine. You're just like, nope, that's our policy. Yep. Then they would know. So back in the control room, the gate is being dialed back to Tolan. And then the UAV is like launched through the gate. And Jack's like, yeah, like this, like the coolest thing he's ever seen. And we start getting readings back from like the heat sensors and everything of what's happening there. Apparently, the ground is at 1,700 degrees. The air ranges in pockets from 200 up to 1,500 degrees. And the air quality is also just not good. It's just like basalt and ash and all the crap that happens when volcanoes erupt. And also, it appears that it doesn't matter how long it's going to take everything to cool down because the lava is headed straight for the gate and it's just going to get buried in a couple days. So... Don't think anybody's going back to Tolan. Nope. They give the bad news to Omak, and he explains that they knew that this was happening, and his people had evacuated to a new world, and the group that SG-1 found had stayed behind to make sure that the gate was permanently closed so that no one could go there and, like, be harmed by whatever was happening within, like, the environment and to the planet in general. So, I mean, cool. That's, you know, good plan, I think, there. And Sam's like, well, you know, maybe we can like recalibrate the address of where you were, you know, the rest of your people are and we can send you to there from here. And apparently no, because the new planet is not part of the gate network. They went to this other planet by ship and we, we don't have ships. So. Oops. The other refugees. And apparently they'll just be staying here until they can be determined where they're going to go. And Jack Jack mentions that we've, you know, made some friends out there. Maybe maybe somebody might be willing to help. And so Hammond orders Jack and Tilt to, like, get on that. And then he orders Sam and Daniel to get one of the multi-purpose rooms ready as, like, temporary housing for the Tolan. So we cut to the Tolan moving into the room. And I don't know if you noticed in, like, the background of the shot, but there's a group of them that are, like, totally fascinated by a bunch of grapes. Oh, no, I didn't notice yeah. that. <laughs> like, if you, like, watch it, just watch the scene. Like, you know, they're, like, walking through and, like, talking. And there's, like, three or four of the guys in the back, like, just totally enthralled by, like, a bunch of grapes. It's kind of hilarious. And it's, like, I just, when it, whenever I see things like that, I'm always, like, did they decide to do that? Did they, like, like did those actors, like, 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 those extras, like, see the set dressing and decide to do that? Did, like, the actor, did the director be, like, you guys, like, play with the grapes? I always kind of wonder, like, yeah. those little things. Like, who, like, whose idea was that? Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, that's that's funny. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, Hammond has also decided to return the devices that we had taken from them. And Omak's like, yeah, they're not weapons. And Hammond's like, yeah, our, t- our tech said the same thing. And I'm like, oh, so you tested our devices. That's not very trusting of you. And Daniel's like, well, we actually don't even know what they are. Which, I mean, I kind of see both sides of this. Omok's like, you just took our stuff and, like, tested it for with no cause, really. It's like, well, also, you're aliens, and we don't know you. So I would see why they were, why they would do that. But, yeah, it's kind of an interesting 
thing that happened here. And, um, you know, one of the things that I kind of wonder, like eventually when we find out why they are so distrusting of people, all of the like red flags that they see on earth, like why didn't they see them with the other culture or previously were they just like, Oh, you're fine. You know, like, yeah. Do kind of wonder like because the hostility or like the you know caution is so extreme this this time yeah. around how much really it was the first time around or were they just like hello friends I don't I wonder about that yeah I I, I seem to I think I would err more on the side of there was no caution the first time and that's why it is so extreme or there maybe was a little bit but they got duped by whoever they talked to on the other planet, because like, did they talk to some sort of, was there some sort of planet wide council? Did they just talk to the country? You know, how, how we, unfortunately we don't know what exactly happened, you know, with that other planet and everything. Interesting questions. Hammond does emphasize that, you know, they're doing everything that they can to try and relocate the Tolan, but until then they're restricted to the SGC Oh, so they're prisoners. No. And Daniel's like, no, no, absolutely not. You are not prisoners. And Hammond's like, but you are aliens. So it's as much for your protection as it is for ours. So then we see Sam come in with some books and an animal carrier. And it's kind of cute because Nareem has no idea how to make a bed (laughs) with like sheets and stuff. And she gives the books to Nareem and then takes a cat out of the carrier. And the cat's name is... Schrodinger because of course it is and she's like it's a joke and Sam's like it's a joke and Nareem just looks at her like I don't Nareem's an alien Sam alien he he has no idea who Schrodinger is so she then explains the Schrodinger's cat theory where you put a cat in a box with poison gas that's set off by the decay of a radioactive atom and then you close the box and then at any given point in time the cat is both alive and dead and Nareem's like well that doesn't seem very nice and she's like no 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 it was just you know theoretically he didn't really do it and so Nareem calls this Kulivrian Kulivrian physics I forget how he pronounced it um Kulivrian physics uh, which he says is an atom's state is indeterminate until measured by an outside observer and Sam's like, oh, we call that quantum physics. And you've studied it. And he's like, yeah, I've, I've studied that. And other misconceptions of elementary science. So apparently quantum So physics, many things in that sentence. <laughs> so, there's so much information in like that one sentence. So, yeah, apparently the Tolan are really, really super smart. And quantum physics doesn't exist. Or maybe. And yeah. So, mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately we don't get anything more because like Omak is lurking and Sam like excuses herself and Nareem says to Omak, I did not tell her anything. What, what, what didn't you tell her? What are you not supposed to be telling her? Like what, like again, more with the whole secretive thing that doesn't really make any sense, but it turns out to not really be that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the conference room and Jack mentions that they've set up a meeting with Tuplo. Remember Tuplo? Tuplo, honey. Uh, no, not the right bro- one. From the Broca Divide and the Land mm-hmm. of the Light. And he'll be coming tomorrow morning. And Tilk adds that many people were apparently eager to help. Which, so, apparently we have been doing some good out there in the universe. Yay! Yeah, yeah. 
I was glad to see that actor again because I didn't realize until after you said it during the other episode that he was the guy that played the fish dude. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was good to see him in another episode again where I could be like, oh, fish dude, but like other character. Duo character, fish man. Yes. Um, but then like Hammond comes rushing in and apparently the Tolan have escaped. Oh. So uh, let the hunt begin. And we find the Tolan outside and they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, we were just observing the stars. Okay, great. Get like, get back inside now. It's like, so we are prisoners. No, you're not prisoners. You just, like, there are rules and stuff. And you just, like, wander, like, without telling anybody, like, what you're doing, where you're going. Like, stupid Omak. Um, but, so, the next morning in Hammond's office, Jack and Sam are there in their, like, dress blue. So, it's, like, a very important meeting day. And apparently people have been reviewing the video of what happened with the Tolan escape, but there was some sort of interference at exactly the right or wrong time, depending on how you look at it. And so we don't know exactly what happened and how the Tolan got by the guards. In the conference room, uh, Tuplo is there as well as Omak, and Tuplo offers his thanks for being allowed to be the first visitor to Earth from the Land of Light, which I have to wonder how interesting this is for like Tuplo to like, because I imagine he hasn't gone anywhere. He's just, you know, been in the Land of Light, you know, his whole life. So how, even though he only sees like, you know, the inside of this building, like this must be very, very interesting for Tuplo from his, you know, point of view. That is a really good point. Didn't think of that. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm here, to point stuff out like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Tuplo then turns to Omak and describes his world and, like, the rich harvests and the bounty of fish and fowl that they have. And Omak is, like, almost offended by this. And he's like, they're even more primitive than you are. So that's not going to work, apparently. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, he's just, like, so grumpy for, like, no reason. It's very annoying. And disrespectful. It's really disrespectful, honestly, if you think about it. Like, where'd you it is. Where'd really? You so, back in the multi-purpose room, Sam is talking to Nareem, and we. this is where we finally get the information about why Omak is the way he is. So, some years ago, when they'd finally, like, conquered space travel, they made contact with a neighboring planet called Sarita when they had determined that that planet was like advanced enough to be able to accept, Hey, there's other inhabited planets out there. And the Tolan gave them technology in order to produce unlimited energy. Instead of using that, you know, to benefit the planet, they apparently decided to use that to make war. And in one day they managed to destroy their planet. And apparently that destruction was forceful enough to also knock Tolan's orbit off by 0.3 Takana, whatever that is. And that set off this chain of events that led to the cataclysmic destruction of Tolan that SG-1 saw when they got there. And so that's why Omak doesn't want to share technology with anyone. Okay, fine. But, like, why is he, like, such an ass about, like, even being on a planet that's not as advanced as Tolan is? Like... I I wondered about that, too, because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yes people are not as advanced as you just suck it up and and learn about their culture <laughs> yeah it's like you don't have to offer anything of yours no just it's learn about them it's like the fact that he's even on earth is like so offensive to him like he's like he can't believe he's even here in this super primitive place and it's like get over yourself already kind of thing mm-hmm. but 
what the the one thing I don't quite understand is like so with the talk about like Sarita and everything like were those planets in the same like star system because how could the destruction of one set off such a cataclysmic destruction on the other and you know sort of you know there's a whole sort of habitable zone when you're talking about star systems that you know we are here on earth because of our distance from the sun and everything like that so i don't i'm i'm trying to envision i don't whatever that star system looked like and i i don't i don't quite get it but i'm not super smart about astronomy so i don't know um it's because you're an unadvanced being from earth obviously hello yes i'm i'm a done i'm a dumb earth human i don't know anything <laughs> obviously you couldn't possibly fathom what their world was like no. so don't even try yeah, no, obviously not. No. So, yeah. So Sam then asks Nareem for the truth about what they were doing last night. And he's like, no, we really were just looking at stars. But we were doing that in order to find out where we were so we can calculate where our new home planet is. And it's much too far to be able to get to in their lifetime. So, again, stupid earth human question how does just looking at the stars from our planet because we're in a completely different part of the galaxy than tolan was like how do they know what star is which just by like looking at it like i don't i don't know i do those those devices like scan they i don't i don't know how just looking at our stars can help them figure out where the new world is when it's probably completely different stars, even in the first place. Um, I'm guessing their handy arm devices or what do they had, had some sort of navigational technology to be able to map where they were, therefore how far away from where they wanted to be. Okay. I'll buy that. Cause I, I don't know anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So Sam asks if Nareem has maybe given any thought about staying here on Earth. And he said, you know, he would like to, even if only to spend time with one specific inhabitant. Schrodinger, obviously, duh. Like, but like, oh my God, he made a joke. Like, yeah. he made that a was joke. a cute moment. It's adorable. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, uh, like, all of SG-1 is there talking with the Tolan, and Omak is like, I knew it, I knew you would, like, use force and threat to get what you, what, what you wanted because we made them, like, come inside from last night. And it's like, well, you didn't really give us any other choice with just, you know, slinking out the way you did. And Omak's like, well, why were you armed? It's like, well, because you haven't exactly been acting like people we want to trust, Omak. Which I find it interesting that Jack says acting like people we want to trust rather than like people we can trust. I just think that's an interesting. Oh, an interesting choice of words. Yeah. At this point, Jack doesn't even want to trust them. It's not like he can't. He doesn't even like want to Mm. at this point. Mm. And yeah. So Jack then brings up like the whole democracy thing. And if you're so advanced, why not let your people decide for themselves what they want to do? And Sam offers Nareem asylum and explains, you know, like what asylum is and refugees and all that stuff. And Omak's like, you just want our technology. And Jack's like, well, we'd like to know how you got out of the mountain, at least. That'd be nice to know. And Omak's like, I'm not going to tell you. Just know that I could do it again if I wanted to. Okay. Uh, But then Jack and SG-1 are then summoned to see Hammond. So off they go. And they've managed to fix up the video. And apparently the Tolan can walk through walls. Right. 
yeah, because uh, why not? And Tilk's like, this kind of technology is even beyond the Gould. And that's exactly what the president and the Joint Chiefs want to hear. Mayborn's here, everybody! Oh, man, I forgot that this is where he was introduced. <gasps> yes. So Everyone's it's... favorite villain. <clears throat> yes. But you, uh... he really does turn out to be somebody that you just love to hate. I know. You love, you love to hate him. But do you love him? No, you love to hate him. No, I do. I do not like Mayborn at all with like even an atom of my being. No part of me likes him, mm-hmm. but he's 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 Tom McBath is so good as Mayborn. Oh, he's so good, which this this, this is our another Vancouver actors bingo square Tom McBath because, again, he's one of the guys who's just been in everything. So check off another square in your Vancouver actors bingo card. Let us know where you are if anybody's close to getting bingo yet. So, yeah, Mayborn's here from the NID. And apparently Kennedy, who he was the guy who interrogated Tilk back in an earlier episode, uh, has been promoted. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, Mayborn, why are you here? Apparently, he's here to take the Tolan. The president has released the Tolan to the NID. Uh, I'm sorry, what? These are like... These these are these are people. You can't you can't just take them. They're they're people. They have rights. It doesn't even make sense, right? No. I can't I can't think of a president that would actually be okay with like thinking of them as assets rather than people. Yeah. And um like Daniel's like they have rights and Mayborn goes, Under what nation? How about just basic fucking human rights, you asshat? Like, yeah, like people, people, people. Like, I don't know what story may I'm. I my assumption always always been that like Mayborn spun this in a way that was not what Mayborn's actual intent was with these people. You know, I'm sure at this point, you know, the president had been debriefed that you know these people's home world was like uninhabitable like they couldn't go back there and so maybe maybe was like oh we'll take them in and like you know house them and you know probably gave it as much of a positive spin as he could because yeah i don't oh you think that's what happened i think i think that's what happened that Mm. it was a oh we'll take care that i'm sure the sgc has much more important things to do than just worry about where to house these people will 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 take care of it is I don't know how I always read the situation at least. So when it what is the NID? What does that stand for? National. We it's one of those things we don't know. It's never said they're always just the NID. Oh okay, so it's um it's uh neutralized integrated. Oh no, we do know. Oh crap, I thought we didn't know. Neutralized integrated uh deck hands. Uh. Okay, so the NID is either the National Intelligence Department or the National Institute of Defense. I thought we didn't know what NID stood for. Did the did that just come from Fanon, or was that actually in the show? I thought it was never revealed, like in the show, what oh. NID stands for. But it's on the internet, on like every Stargate page that exists. Interesting. I thought we didn't know. Let me see. It stands for Never Inside Dugouts. Anyway, I'm sorry. I thought we didn't know what NID stood for. Now I'm kind of sad that we know what NID stands for. I, I always liked, like, not knowing what NID stood for, and that was just NID. 
but apparently it does stand for something. Okay. It stands for naked. (laughs) 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 Uh, Naked. uh, Oh, man. No. Naked. (laughs) (laughs) Naked. The corruption of nude. (laughs) Nude. Yes. (laughs) Well, anyway, so Hammond's like, well, I'm sure the president didn't mean to like release them to you until they've been through quarantine. So we'll show you to some guest quarters while we wait this out. And Mayborn's like, I know that's fine. I can wait here. And Hammond's like, uh, no, that's an order, Colonel. You can wait in the guest quarters. Bye bye. So I kind of always love when like Hammond like pulls like the power trip like that because he does it so nicely. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's one big giant middle finger to like Mayborn in this scene. So love it. And Jack's like, um, didn't like Dr. Fraser give the Tolan a clean bill of help? A clean bill of a clean bill of help. Ugh. A clean bill of health. And Hammond's like, yeah, but Mayborn doesn't know that. So give me options, people. So now they have quarantine protocols. Now they have quarantine protocols. When they don't need them and they're just making that up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we see Sam again talking to Nareem. And uh, she seems to be explaining, like, what happened with Mayborn. And that, you know, apparently now even if Nareem requested asylum, he'd sort of be under the NID. And, like, what happened on Sarita is definitely going to happen here. And it's like, so Olmok, like, won't consider, like, anywhere else. And Nareem's like, yeah, no, he's just too afraid of what happened on Sarita happening anywhere else, like, ever again. And if everyone is more primitive than us, then it will happen. Sam takes, like, a slight objection to being called primitive. And we have this lovely exchange where Nareem says, I'm sorry, I only meant technologically. You are anything but primitive, Samantha. What your mind doesn't know, your heart fills in. And Sam goes, I don't know what that means exactly, but it's beautiful. And Nareem goes, which is exactly what it means. Aww. You're so cute. It's cute. And so cute. Um, so we're back in the conference room and we can see through the window into Hammond's office. And Hammond's like on his red phone with the president. And Jack is asking Mayborn what he wants from the Tolan. Weapons, obviously. And Jack's like, yeah, you know they're not going to help you. And Mayborn's like, sure they will. They're going to help. No, no, they're not. No. no. Mayborn doesn't know anything. So uh, Hammond exits his office and confirms that Mayborn has the authority to relocate the Tolan. And they will be moved to a secure community in the Rockies. And, like, Daniel is pissed. He is, like, some of the maddest we've seen Daniel to this point, really. And Mayborn's like, no, it's lovely. They'll a nice view. They'll get good few, good food. Oh, and, you know, also, like, life in prison. So, you know, good for them. Mm-hmm. And Mayborn's like, have the Tolan ready at, like, 0600 tomorrow morning. So there's the ticking clock for us. So we got to get him out of here. And well, I have to say that I love the, the line that they put in for Daniel when he's getting all angry. Oh, he's like, How about the president? He's like, him too. Yeah, he's like so angry at the president. He's like, and I voted for him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. it. I love that that's such a Daniel thing. And yeah. I voted for him. If, if we're going on real life, the president at this time was Clinton. I don't know if Clinton is president here, but that's who was president in real life, at least. Oh. So, I think that was supposed to be the intention. I mean, maybe if not Clinton directly, at least 
somebody Clinton-esque. So we cut to outside the mountain and Hammond walks up to SG-1 and he's like, why am I here? And Jack's like, because Mayborn's not. Duh. And so they're like, okay, we need to help the Tolan escape because we can't let them go with Mayborn. And Hammond's like, I'd love to help. I really would. But there's that whole like court martial thing that, that, you know, would happen if we did. And well, it's it's, Daniel. Daniel can't be court martialed. I'm assuming neither could Tilk. I don't know why they don't mention Tilk in this conversation because Tilk's not part of the Air Force. So, but anyway, uh, Daniel can't be court-martialed. So as long as Daniel does it, it's fine. Whatever they decide to do. And so then we cut to Daniel talking to Omak. And it seems Mayborn has been talking to Omak too. And Omak doesn't like Mayborn either, which Daniel's like, yeah, neither do we. It's like, nobody likes him. We're trying to actually like protect you from him and Daniel maybe has an idea of where they might be able to go but he has no idea how to like contact them since they sealed their gate and do you know who he's talking about it's I the- did haha it's the Knox because they're also very advanced people perhaps even more advanced than the Tolan and but you know we, we, we can't reach them and Daniel's like I was hoping maybe like you do Perhaps. And Omak's like, yeah, but we have to like go back up outside the mountain, which we've been outside the mountain a lot in this episode. And Daniel's like, well, I can't really like do that. Just escort you up off the mountain, which I don't, I don't really know why Daniel can't do that. And Omak's like, that's fine. We, I, I don't need you to like walk me past the guards. And Daniel's like, oh, how? Well, how they got out earlier? Do that again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Daniel holds Omak's hand, and off they go walking through walls. Yay! Yay! So we cut to Daniel and Omak outside the SGC, and Daniel gives Omak the coordinates for the Knox planet, which I like, are the coordinates like the gate address? Like, what exactly are the coordinates, like, written down? Like, how do you write out the coordinates for an alien planet? So Omak takes, like, the device off his arm, seemingly does nothing to it except push, like, a button, and it shoots a light into the sky. <laughs> like, I, I rewound the scene, like, for it. I was like, am I missing something? Or is, is he pushing buttons? Like, but there seems to be, like, he just, like, takes the device, like, looks at it and, like, puts it on the ground and then pushes a button and an awful light goes. Um, yeah. He, he yeah. does not program it in really he, any sort of way to no. have some sort of message in it or... To tell it where to go? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then Daniel's all like, isn't that going to take a long time to get there? Because, you know, light kind of travels slow in the grand scheme of things, if you really think about it. And so Omak picks up a twig from the ground and it's like, normally it would take a very long time to go from one end of the stick to the other if you just like walk along the stick. But if you do that and like puts like the two ends touching, then it doesn't take as long. And Daniel's like, oh, you're talking about folding space. And Omak is like, you're cute. No, it's like, oh, Daniel, you're so adorable. No. (laughs) Apparently, like the Tolan, once again, the Tolan are super smart and way more smarter than us. So I do actually like this moment because it's the only time that he's not like surly. And because, you know, if you're going with every other moment he's had in this episode, he would have been like, no. Of course not. No, that's not the way it is. And he would have been yeah. like very condescending. Yeah. But I really like how in the scene he kind of smiles at him and it's like, no, 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 that's not right. That's not really it. Yeah. 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 Like, no. 
he's, yeah, he's he's kind he's kind of warming up a little bit and like softening a little bit. Yeah. To 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 Daniel at least. Mm-hmm. Um. So then back in Sam's office? Question mark. I don't know wherever Sam is if she's in her office or just somewhere. <laughs> it's it's unclear. Meanwhile, back at the SGC <laughs> in, in Sam's office. Uh, no, Question mark. Nareem <laughs> um, comes like walking in through the wall to like say goodbye because apparently like even if Daniel's plan with the Knox doesn't work, like they're not staying here. And that makes him sad because it means he'll never see Sam again. And she tries to like brush and be like, oh, you'll meet somebody new in no time. And you're like, you'll forget all about me. And it's fine. So then he takes like one of his devices off of his arm and like gives it to her. And apparently this is a device that records emotions and he's been wearing it every time they met. So it has all of his feelings about her on it. All the feels. All the feels. And like she, so she touches the button and closes her eyes and at first she smiles but then she kind of like frowns and like seems almost like overwhelmed by whatever the device is telling her and then she opens her eyes and she's like I I don't know what to say and Nareen goes that on Tolan they have a custom for when there are no words to express your feelings it's a kiss they kiss people like Sam and Nareen kiss and it's so cute and adorable and I love it so much it was cute and adorable. And I like that he prefaces it of like, yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing to your face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Sam's like, oh, that's great. We have that too. Let's do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, Daniel comes running in and interrupt, interrupts them and is like, Whoop, whoops. Uh, well, anyway, time for Nareem to go. And Sam's like, don't forget Schrodinger. So apparently Nareem's going to take Schrodinger with him maybe. Which is cute. And so then we cut to Hammond's office where Mayborn is like making demands for how the transfer of the Tolan is going to go when the air woman from earlier interrupts and the Tolan have disappeared again. It's like, just, just poof. They just like walked right through the walls and Mayborn's like, weren't you in the room with us? Like, yeah, they walked through me too. And I don't know. I think she's kind of a door with the whole, just, just poof, sir. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of cute. Um, when suddenly, off-world activation. What? So everybody like runs down to the control room, and the blast shield is down. And Hammond orders the blast shield open, and we see the Tolan all standing there with Daniel and Tilk sort of like standing guard. And Mayborn gets on the intercom and says to Daniel that this is a court-martialable offense. Yeah, and Jack's like, well, except he's not in the military, so no. And also, what civilian law would cover this kind of situation? I don't think there is one. So the gate opens, and, like, the iris is failing, and Mayborn threatens to, like, hunt them down wherever we're sending them. Except we didn't dial out, Mayborn. Somebody dialed in. And here comes Maya! The Yay! Yay! Mayborn orders the guards in the gate room not to let the Tolan leave, and they all raise their weapons. And Laya's like, "Oh, she's like, your people have not learned, but Daniel has, and Aww. the Tolan are most welcome with the Knox." So the Tolans start to head up the ramp with Laya when Omak stops, sort of apologizes to Daniel, or at least admits that like Nareem was right and that perhaps we'll meet again. And then uh, Laya, like, raises her hand and the gate activates magically without the big kawoosh like the Nox are able to do. 
and then the Tolan disappear. And Mayborn orders the guards to open fire. And Lya just, like, shakes her head. And then all the weapons disappear. And everybody's off through the gate. Mayborn just kind of uh, slinks off because the Dolan are gone. Well, shit. Too bad for you. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, Jack, Sam, and Hammond, like, go down into the control room. And Jack tells Daniel that he did good. And Mayborn's not happy, but, yeah. Oh. Too bad, so sad. They really don't care. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's like looking at the gate and kind of smiling to himself. And Jack says, like, what? And he goes, oh, just thinking about what the little guy with the funny hair once told us. And Jack goes, the very young do not always do as they are told. The end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yay. Yay. I like this episode a lot. There's a lot of good things in it. I like that we got, like, you know, the Tuplo, that, like, Tuplo and, like, the Knox came back and that it's sort of, you know, things aren't being, like, forgotten in the story that's being built and that mm-hmm. it just sort of reinforces, you know, like, relationships and situations that we've been in before and everything. So, yeah. Do we see them in, how many more episodes do they pop up in? Because I only remember one. Uh, The Tolan? Yeah. I- I think there's two more. Two more episodes. Two more, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Um. Two. Uh. Two more. Three more. No, three more. Oh, cool. Even better. Yeah. I do like them. Yes. Okay. Well, so speaking of episodes, the title of this episode, Enigma, did not have any reference within the episode, but. An enigma is a person or thing that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. I think that would describe the Tolan very well, at least sort of like in the beginning when we first meet them and everything. So I think that works as an episode title. Well, I think it doubles both for the people and the main Tolan leader guy. Omak. Omak, that's the one. Yes. I, I can never remember anybody's actual character name. You know. Just, you know, the guys that do the thing with the stuff and the dude. Yeah. It's one of, that's one of the things that I have difficulty with in, like, fantasy books when people, like, people's names have, like, no relation to any sort of common name that I know now. It just makes it really hard to remember who people are and everything, which there was an inter- I actually saw an interesting thing online about a thing about that and about why the names in like the Hunger Games series work because you can see the sort of direct evolution of where those names came from like Katniss is probably like from Catherine to you know a thing to a thing Peta is Peter Gale I mean Gale is Gale that's a thing but yeah like Primrose like people are named Rose now so that while the names are not names now for the most part they're sort of easy to see how you would get to those names. But mm-hmm. yeah, I never really thought about that. Yes. Very interesting. Indeed. Uh, um, any well, memos? So, yeah. What would be the, <laughs> the office memos? I, I don't. Oh, sorry. As I knock my microphone over again. I don't know. Cause I don't think you'd want to issue a memo that says don't rescue people who are dying. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe more, better protocols for when that situation may happen again and what to do with those people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure there, there probably are going to be a lot more protocols on, on what to do with refugees. Cause this yeah. is like the second or third time that's happened. When yeah. they had to take in refugees from other planets. Yeah. 
So yeah, they, they better get that system sorted out. Cause yeah. It's and especially tough. since they've had one refugee that's permanently stayed. Oh yes. Yeah. Cassandra's still here. Yeah. So, so I'm sure they, they need to come up with a better plan for that one. Yes. Um, any other questions, comments or concerns? Um, I always loved how the Tolan have their, you know, supposed to be like the advanced race and they all wear like the same oh, silver yes! suit yes, that you see in like really old, you know, alien movies. Like silver <laughs> like, polyester jumpsuit. They're all wearing the silver jumpsuit. <laughs> it's like, I hope if, if, if that's where technology takes us as a people, I don't want to go there. Like, like why does clothing oh like why does technology mean clothing gets dumb I don't know. Yeah. it makes me long for the fifth element every time where they have like such a really cool fashion i'm i'm wondering if maybe because since we do see them again and they're not you know wearing that maybe it was actually some sort of like protective gear because they knew the volcano was going to be exploding and or some maybe, sort of uniform, maybe. Yeah, but. because they were like a specific unit that was left behind to deal with things. But yeah. But it totally was funny how they advanced aliens were all wearing the silver jumpsuit with the boots. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we do have some listener feedback, sort of, kind of. Um, Yay! Our, our plea to Kevin to answer the question that he asked us about last week's Korai and <laughs> what he would do in Tilk's position. Yay, and, Kevin! <laughs> so he says, although I definitely believe in taking a responsibility, if I was in Tilk's position and facing death, I would have accepted Jack's offer of being freed from jail. Which, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I was like, yeah, I'll face up to what I did, but please don't kill me. Yeah. Yes. Well said, Kevin. Well yes. Said. Thank you, Kevin. Please, everybody else, send send in feedback and comments and questions. We we appreciate it. So. Yeah, Kevin, if you have friends, get them to. <laughs> Get them to join in. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, have we done it? I think we've done it. I think we have done it. Okay. Well, thank you as always for listening. And you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or email us at woo SG rewatch. That's W O O S G rewatch. All one word at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us please on Apple podcasts and wherever you listen. So more people can find us and we will see you next time for solitude. Bye. Bye. To do to die today at a minute or two to do a thing distinctly hard to say and harder yet to do for there'll be a tattoo at twenty to two a rat a tat a tat a tattoo and the dragon will come when he hears the drum at a minute or two to two today at a minute or two to two.